Did you guys hear what Jordan and Dr. Cox did to the doctor who botched his vasectomy? Go, Ted. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. Dear God, what did they say? Ribs? Never. They never say ribs. I heard ten minutes into it, he started eating his own face. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about Once Upon a Time Season 6, Episode 9, Changelings. Yes, Changelings. Multiple. Let's just real quick before we start, count all the Changelings that are in this episode. There's, three. Yeah, three. Uh-huh. So, Rumple, Mm-hmm. Gideon. Mm-hmm. And unnamed kidnapped baby. Yes. All right. Good old unnamed-o. Unnamed-o. So this is still the clone saga, right? We're sort of reaching a point where, I know we're almost at the end of the show, but we're sort of reaching a point where the disambiguation between seasons is sort of breaking down. It's true. Yeah, we are still technically on book nine, the clone saga, but you know what? I think... This whole season is going to be that. Oh, I was going to say, we're this could conceivably serve as the intro to the final story arc, Mamageddon 2. Well, it definitely is the intro to Mamageddon 2, Electric Boogaloo. But the Clone Saga hasn't been resolved yet. I mean, I suppose technically you could say that's resolved when the Evil Queen is defeated, But from this point on, I think the big bad that is the evil queen and the next big bad kind of get mixed together. Well, Mamageddon 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, does start to take focus away from the evil queen's plot. She's still there, but she's rapidly losing her status as big bad. Yes, people become less concerned with what's going on with the evil queen when, you know, Mamageddon 2, the squeakle, gets going. Which... In a weird way, kind of reminds me of how this season began with, oh, it's about Mr. Hyde and all of the people from the Land of Untold Stories, and then they immediately stopped mattering. Right? We were done with them really quickly. So we're really on, like, what, the third plot of this season? Yeah, technically we are starting the third plot of this season, especially if you split plots up by villain and say that the first villain was Hyde, the second villain is the Evil Queen, and the third villain... We shall be introduced to in this episode, the Black Fairy. So, uh, as a reminder, Rumple put a tracking bracelet, a containing bracelet on Belle, some sort of bracelet so that he'll always know where she is because she wants to run away so he won't, you know, ruin their baby's life like he did with their last kid. Well, to be fair, Rumple's planning to ruin the new baby's life in a whole new way. He ruined... Balefire slash Neil's life by becoming the Dark One and then not following him into the world without magic. And he's planning to ruin Gideon's life by taking the scissors of fate and literally clipping his destiny. Which, because apparently a big part of 
Gideon's destiny is going to be hating Rumple, which just be a non-shitty dad. Right? Let's dive into this episode. So we open with, I mean, we open with a horror movie. Yeah, one of the nuns is running through a hallway filled with pipes. And as she turns a corner, she comes face to face with the thing she is running from, Rumpel. You know, I said a basement with pipes. Is this where Mary Margaret had to go to turn the power back on when she was briefly mayor? It's a steam factory. You might recognize it from every action movie in the 90s. Fair enough. So she's running, but you can't outrun... Teleportation? Yes. Maybe a good time to turn into one of those little fairies and fly around, but... Maybe they can't do that in the world without magic? Hmm. So Rumpel bamps the fairy into being tied up on one of the pillars in this steam factory. Yeah. That seems weird, but okay. Like, you have magic. You could just, like, freeze her in place. It seems like a weird spell to use for that, too. Like, teleportation... It seems lazy on the part of the special effects crew. Like, have him have ropes, like, shoot out of his hand and wrap around her. There is a noticeably bad special effect later in this episode. I wonder if they were having budget problems at this point. Maybe it was a time issue? Hmm. We're pretty into the season, and we're before the mid-season break, so... Yeah, so this had to have been... At the point where they were getting backed up. And they had to do a dragon last week. Ugh. Yeah, last week did look pretty expensive. And very well done, so. Next episode is just everyone sitting in a car for 40 minutes. <laughs> right. The evil queen shows up and is like, wow, you really do hate fairies, don't you? What's the deal with that? You never told me why you hate them so much. And Rumple doesn't say the obvious, you know. Well, a fairy gave my son the bean that teleported him out of my life. Right, in earlier seasons, we were meant to understand that that was Rumpel's grudge against fairies. That the blue fairy helped his son reach the world without magic. But now, apparently, there's an even darker backstory for why he hates fairies. Oh no, it's Satan's big brother, Steve. Exactly. I saw that as a thing for, uh, in Supernatural, how, you know... They keep having to escalate who they're fighting, but they beat up Satan in, like, season four. So it's like, uh-oh. It turns out that there's more Satans. It's just Satan's all the way down. Rumple asks Regina how that whole kill... Rumple asks the evil queen how that whole killing Zelina thing is going. And she's like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that, I think. And he's like, why not? You're, you're the evil queen. You're evil. And she's all, why should I? I I need a point to do things. And Rumpel really plays on her weakness. He tells her that he knows that she doesn't want to rule alone. She'll be lonely. She wants to rule as some sort of awesome evil partnership. And he'll be her evil partner if she kills Zelina. I don't get why this is a thing that would convince her. I think part of the evil queen, because a great deal of... Regina's evilness is based on her grief over what happened to Daniel. So I think part of the evil queen is that she has not processed that grief. The evil queen, what makes her evil is that she is always at that moment of intense emotion over what happened to Daniel. See, I think that if she didn't want to roll alone, 
given the events of the last episode, she'd be more into trying to get Henry over to her side. Maybe she's decided, well, I was going to say maybe she decided that's a lost cause, but at the end of the episode, she explicitly said that teenagers rebel and that she's not given up on him. Is she going to form a new evil family with Rumple and Henry? Because that seems like just so many shades of not going to work out. I mean, you say that, but now that you say that, yes, I think that's exactly her plan. New evil family. God. Okay. Rumple says he's going to send a message via ferry. Ferry Express. And he splashes some CGI powder on the fairy. And oh no, it makes her be in horrible old age makeup. I love the Evil Queen's expression. She literally, she... She does a Kevin from Home Alone. She runs her fingers down her face as she gapes at the... As her mouth forms a perfect O of shock and faux outrage. So... We cut to the fairy being wheeled into, I guess, the hospital. It's the convent where the nuns are. But why is she in a wheelchair? Her age was just advanced. It's not... What? Show, come on. And really, there are like at least three or four people in this group who should be able to just unwind that. Ooh, unwinding time is hard. Remember, you have to sacrifice a baby and stuff. To do time magic. Remember, time magic is not... Well, de-aging. De-aging isn't rewinding time. Is de-aging rewinding time? I think that's an important question. I think it's more just doing a hard reset on her. Mm. I mean, what he did wasn't time travel. That's true. That's true. So they just need to, like, push that spot behind her ear for about three seconds, and then she'll reboot and she'll be fine. So... Emma and Belle are also at the convent when the artificially aged nun gets brought in. And Emma points out that this is the same spell that she used on Zelina to fast forward her pregnancy, which makes Belle realize that that's Rumpel's plan, to fast forward Belle's pregnancy and steal the baby. This doesn't really seem like something he should have given them forewarning about. Why, why did he do this? This seems completely unnecessary. He's not the Riddler. He doesn't need to give people a heads up when he's about to commit crimes. He's not the snowman. You could have stopped me, Mr. Police. I gave you all the clue. No one saw this movie, but everyone loved the ad campaign. So true. In the flashback, Belle is at the point in time where she is serving Rumpelstiltskin and has not yet seen something there that wasn't there before. But what she does see is a baby. Yes, Rumpel comes in and literally tosses a baby basket at her and is like, take care of this baby. And she's like, I don't know how to take care of a baby. And he's like, you only need to keep it alive for like a day, and then you don't need to worry about it anymore. Which, you know... Is a disturbing thing to have said to you? Yeah, yeah. It, it gives Belle lots of cause for worry. So, uh, she wants to know what happened to the baby's parents, and he's like, it's not great. She says, what kind of beast steals away a child? Which, as you pointed out when we were watching this, is not a beast behavior, but they have to hammer home the he is the beast thing. Yes, beasts don't have malice of forethought. Beasts aren't... Her thing with calling Rumple a beast is 
that it almost always is in situations where he's not behaving bestial because the evil things he does require higher thought. He's monstrous, Belle, not beastly. If you were out, say, for a walk with him and you found a baby on the side of the road and he started eating it, that would be beastly. But kidnapping a baby for a dark ritual is not beastly. It's an asshole thing. I mean, I, I'd say it's it's more evil than asshole-ish, but okay. Yes. Belle asks to at least know the baby's name so that she can soothe it, and he won't give it to her because... Only wanted things have names. But also, for us, the audience, it's a nice reminder of the importance that Rumpelstiltskin and fairy tales in general place on names. Seems like it's been a while. Yeah, it does. Okay. Okay, so... In the present... In the present, Belle is looking through the library and finds a book. Called Manual on Defeating the Dark One. Jeebus cripes. Well, now, to be fair, spoiler alert for like five minutes from now, this is a dream. So it's not like it's incredibly on the nose. She's literally dreaming about it. So she pulls down the manual and is is like, wow, this is probably going to be really helpful. I can't believe I haven't seen it before. There's something here I've never seen before. Yes. When she opens the book, there's a picture of a red ribbon, and the text says, follow the strand. And when she closes the book, that same ribbon is on the ground. This is a thing, right? The red string of fate? It sure sounds like a thing. Okay, so I'm pulling this entirely from a Junji Ito uh, short story I read. But from my understanding, the red string of fate is... Uh, a thing in Japanese culture that links two people together. Oh, okay. This is my very loose understanding of this. Okay. Uh, There's a Junji Ito story about it, which has a take on it, which I would imagine is significantly more horrifying than it typically is in mythology or whatever it's from. Mythology, right? You think? Sort of folktale-ish? Apparently it is a Chinese legend. Although there are variants in uh, Japanese and Korean folklore. Okay. According to the Googles that I did just now while you were talking. Ah. So the red string of fate leads her to a cave where adult Gideon is with his stupid haircut. And adult Gideon's like, hey, the answer to defeating the Dark One is right in front of you. And then he cuts the red string with the giant gaudy scissors of fate. Causing her to wake up in the library. With the book in front of her with a magical book in front of her from there we go to granny's where snow white is just so excited about all of the good grades her students are getting okay so is she still teaching now how's this going i mean apparently she is but it doesn't matter because this is just an excuse for her to be having a conversation with jasmine who is also apparently still teaching And for Jasmine to bring up her own issue, which is that Aladdin found a lamp and they want to use it to get back to Agrabah. Which, I don't see how this is an issue. Well, it's an issue because Jasmine is aware that genie wishes tend to go awry and she's afraid to do it. All magic comes at a price. What, is Agrabah going to be more destroyed? Yes, no, it's like... Just do it. We need to move the plot along and you only get three minutes of screen time, so... Speaking of, gone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mary Margaret is like, yeah, you only get three minutes of screen time and I don't know why you're wasting it talking to me. And then we get a hard cut to Belle 
talking to Emma and Hook about how the secret to defeating Rumpel has to be in this book she woke up in front of because of a dream her fetus sent her. Yes, it's apparently a magic book about hair removal, but Hook kindly points out that it's written for some reason in squid ink. Okay. I wonder if this is The White Sorcerer's Way, which was the book that was next to How to Defeat the Dark One in Belle's Dream. Huh. Maybe. Either that or it's a book about mystical uh, waxing. I mean, if somebody gave me a spell for hair removal, I would be so excited. Mm. Like, let's not, let's not have instinctual mockery of feminine arts. No, I'm... I'm saying it it would be a useful thing. That's why it would be in the white sorcerer's way, which may be not the best thing to name your book, but... Yeah. I I get it. Light magic, blah, blah, blah. So... Well, I mean, that's an issue in and of itself, isn't it? Uh, light being... Yeah. Yeah. So, back in the flashback, uh, Belle is reading... Her her handsome handsome hero. hero to the baby. Did we know before that the hero, that the eponymous hero was named Gideon? I don't remember if we've actually heard that much of the content of this book. So now we know that the hero is named Gideon. So now we know where she got the name for her own son. It might have come up before. I I can't really remember. The hell season kind of just blurs together in my head. Right. Belle tells this child that her mother used to read the book to her, and she thought about how much she wanted to be a hero, but that didn't work out, so now maybe this child can be a hero. I mean, you did save your kingdom by agreeing to this deal. Yeah, you're a hero, just not in a fun way. Or rather, now you're in the unfun part after you've done the heroic thing. So she's like, you can be a hero too, but only if Rumpel doesn't kill you at sundown, so we're gonna make a quick exit. We cut from Belle holding the baby to the present where Zelina is holding baby Robin and also getting ready to leave her house when she is interrupted by the evil queen. Pause to talk about what everyone is wearing. Okay, so the evil queen is wearing a punk take on an evil queen outfit. It's amazing. The dress underneath actually appears to be made out of cotton or some sort of actual fabric on some sort of natural fiber and the jacket over it that she's wearing over it is pleather with studs and she's got a shiny red belt cinching it together and a necklace that appears to be made out of silver shark teeth and now the high pony just looks very very 80s instead of very very evil yeah it's a lot of look but not in a negative way per se oh definitely not in a negative way I wanna, I wanna know what wrestler she had to beat up to get that belt, though, because that is a wrestler ass belt. It's huge. The whole outfit is just chef's kiss. And can I point out that this is not the outfit that she was wearing when she was talking to Rumple? She did a costume change, and she's gonna do another one later. Even though this episode seems to take place over a single day the evil queen is rocking three different outfits i mean honestly if i had magic i'd a dress much better than i do and b change outfits all the time oh my god if i could do a magical girl transformation sequence to change my outfits yeah different outfits all the time it's not even magical girl it's just raising your hands up like this 
Oh, I would do that, definitely. Meanwhile, Zelina is wearing a fur coat made out of Muppets. I was going to say she looks like she skinned a Muppet. It is green and it is furry and it is ginormous. It is furry in the way no real animal has ever been furry. That is correct. She's actually wearing it over black leggings, which is interesting because Zelina is usually wearing a skirt and now she is not. Hmm. So Zelina's like, hey, evil queen sister, you want to hold my baby? And the evil queen's like, I think I'd rather murder you. So maybe put the baby down so we can, you know. Go outside and fight. And surprisingly, Zelina does that. Like, Zelina puts the baby down and is like, all right, here we go then. You know, you can, like, teleport. Like, you could just leave this situation. Okay, but to be fair, where could she go? If the evil queen really is intent on killing her, she'll just keep bamfing to where she is. I mean, were I Zelina, I would bamf to the town line and then leave. Yeah, that would probably be wise. Um, I'm sorry, I can't talk about this fight before I mention that the red belt that she's wearing has a giant silver spider in the middle of it. And also, I don't think we mentioned, I said that her, the pleather coat she's wearing is studded, but I didn't mention that it also has scale male pauldrons. It's a lot of luck. It's a little Rachel Summersy. Wow. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's not really pointy enough to be a Rachel Summers outfit, and it's also not red enough. Girl likes her red. But Zelina does not make a good showing of this. It's weird to remember that she was the big bad of season three. I'm glad you brought that up, because... Zelina keeps talking in this episode about how she just wants to be redeemed and have everyone love her, but she hasn't done anything to even ask for redemption, let alone earn it. So the two of them teleport outside to fight, and the evil queen just fireballs her into a barn, and that's basically the end of it. The evil queen reminds us of how excited we were for this particular fight, Several seasons ago, she says, this time evil does beat Wicked. And then she's so overcome by how terrible that line is that she hunches over as though someone standing behind her is squeezing her heart. (gasps) And what do you know? Someone is. It's Regina in her coat of a thousand buttons. I was going to say she's dressed like she's on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm. It's like a, it's a peacoat-esque coat. It's a military coat. Yeah. It even has red stripes uh, on the uh, ends of the sleeves. As though, as though signifying her rank. <laughs> Regina, Regina has, of course, taken out her own heart, which is one and the same with the evil queens, and is squeezing it to cause the evil queen pain and, and save Zelina. She threatens to crush her own heart and thus kill both of them before letting the evil queen kill Zelina. To be fair, this would also solve a lot of their problems. I mean, okay, sure. But also, is Zelina really worth it? Yeah, point. Also, I know I said that were I Zelina, I would just teleport to the edge of town and then leave with the baby. Cause, but right. then, But then I remembered for some reason the evil queen still had her magic in New York. That's how she beat up the dragon. Oh my god, this show. So it's like Rumple is the one person who doesn't have magic outside of... Although maybe he does now that he has the power of all the other dark ones. 
so anyway. Regina tells the evil queen that basically Rumple is playing her and she should go ask him about that. And the evil queen huffs off. She huffs and puffs and teleports away to go yell at Rumple. Speaking of... So, Hook enters Rumple's shop and Rumple insinuates that... Rumple <laughs> says to Hook... Oh, the Savior's lapdog, here to pick up a new collar, which is spot on as to the dynamics of their relationship. Weird to bring up on an ABC family show. Also, he's not her lapdog. He's her boyfriend. I don't know. He's kind of her boyfriend in the same way Riley is Buffy's boyfriend. I'm just saying it's weird to be like, ugh, look at you doing the Savior's bidding again. It's like... When I text you and ask you to pick up milk on your way home, and then you go to get milk, and then Larry at Safeway is like, look at you, doing Tina's bidding again. Whoppa! <laughs> but, yeah. I, I don't know. Again, I, I really see their relationship as being more Buffy and Riley, where she seems to constantly forget that she has a boyfriend, except when he can further the plot a little bit. I mean, who can blame her? Who can blame either of them? Mm. That's the thing about Riley. There, There's nothing wrong with Riley, really. Especially if you discount the part where they had to make him a real jerk in a single episode so they could justify writing him off. But I do love all of his scenes in season five are basically, oh yeah, you're a character. But it turns out that, in fact, Hook was not being the Savior's lapdog. He was being the Savior's distraction technique. Yes, because, well, Rumpel was busy making weird innuendos about Hook's relationship with Emma. Emma snuck up from behind and hit him with the squid ink. And now the two of them are ransacking his shop while he is forced to watch on, frozen in place. Unfortunately, Emma starts having her pre-TSD flashbacks while they're ransacking the shop and is again visualizing her own death at the sword of the hooded figure. This time she gets a really close look at the hilt of the sword. And so do we. And so do we. And we see it has a jewel in it. So Hook runs over to her and he's all, I thought you were done with this. Is this going to be a thing we have to think about more? And uh, she's like, I'm good. I'm good. Let's, let's, let's finish this up. And then Rumpel reveals to us, the audience, that the squid ink did nothing. And he just strolls out of the shop. He's like, fuck this plot. Yeah. Yeah. So, back with Belle, she's going through uh, the book, she's going through a book, I guess, trying to figure out a solution to her, you know, horrible life. Yeah, yeah. And Rumple shows up behind her, again, very horror movie-esque, and tells her that dried squid ink is not powerful enough to hold him now that he has the power of all the dark ones. He's beyond that. It's a very disturbing sequence where Belle is petrified of Rumpel and Rumpel does this creepy, very abuser thing where he tells her that he would never hurt her. He's just going to do whatever he has to do to get the baby. And what I like about Belle's performance here is that she has this really good it's sort of a balance between she's scared but she's also really tired which is something we tend to see we've mostly seen emma playing up the really tired thing but it's sort of 
entering more of Belle, all of her scenes with Rumpel have her just exhausted. Which makes sense. Absolutely. She uh, runs away from Rumpel. Rumpel pulls out the little vial of age-inducing potion, and she runs from him to the library secret elevator. I'm not sure what her plan is, though, because... He can follow her there. Right? Is she going to go down into the depths of Storybrooke? That seems like a bad plan. It seems like you're running into a trap. Definitely running away from anyone who could help you. But, of course, he's blocking the door to the library. Honestly, this is a morality play about the importance of emergency exits. Honestly, this is a morality play of not leaving Belle alone. Yeah, that's a good point. You know that the Dark One is after her. Who left her alone? (laughs) Back in the past, Belle and the baby have snuck into Rumpel's library to try to find a way to escape. And Belle sees a scroll laying out. It is written in fairy language, which she decides to translate just on a whim. Yeah, uh... I, I, I don't get why. I mean, I think she thinks that whatever's going to happen to the baby has to do with the scroll, which is true. So she thinks that if she translates it, it will give her some clue as to what she needs to do. Well, what she needs to do is get the baby out of there before Rumpel shows up, which, whoa, Rumpel shows up. And it turns out that he can't read fairy language. So he batman gambited this whole situation setting the scroll out knowing that bell would translate it in her attempt to save the baby so that he would have the translation he needs to summon the black fairy Uh oh sounds like someone's introducing the main big bad for the rest of the series not counting the reboot season that is exactly what's gonna happen then rumple teleports the baby out of bell's hands and villain walks away with the translate with the translated scroll, which, you know what you could have done, Rumple? You could have just not had the baby with you and been like, hey, Belle, translate this. This was a completely unnecessarily complicated plan to get her to translate this. Well, I think it's part of how much of an abuser Rumple is. It's cruelty for its own sake. I guess that is sort of the through line for Rumple's character throughout this show, where all he has to do is not be an asshole. All he has to do is ask and this will happen Uh, in the present bell is in the elevator that goes down into the basement and rumple stops her because as we said she's not there's nowhere for her to go and as you said bell is telling rumple just don't be an asshole and he tells her that that's not in his nature he can't not be an asshole also nobody loves him and it's impossible for him to be loved well how can he love anyone else if if he's never experienced love because no one's ever loved him. And Bill's like, oh my god, Ugh, you're the worst. Because his, his whole point is, maybe if this baby loves me, then I'll know how to properly love people. Yeah, that's not how it happens. That's not, that's not, no, bad rumple. And and Bill points this out, Bill's like, no, just not, just don't be an asshole. I'm sick of having this conversation with you. Just don't be an asshole. Oh, Belle, just run. Just run. Uh, but yeah, no, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to need to force you to have a baby. And then the baby will teach me how to love and then we can be a family. Yeah. 
And Belle tells him that before he uses magic to steal her baby away, he should remember that magic always comes with a price. Which I think was nice. I think it's good on Belle to turn it around on him. Belle recognizes the power of arc words. And Rumple. And it works! Rumple turns and leaves! Well, I mean, he could always just mystically accelerate the pregnancy later. I mean, it's true, he could. But we know from what happens later in this episode that at this moment, he has in fact given up. He took her arc words to heart and was moving on. Ambiguously good for him, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Congratulations for being less terrible than you could have been. Exactly. So, back at Zelina's farmhouse, Regina is healing her wounds, and Zelina's like, thanks, I was too mystically exhausted to do that. You got, what? Whatever. Like, what happened to all of your powers, Zelina? You, that was a really bad showing on your part. Right? Zelina also wants to know how she lucked out that Regina happened to be walking by, and Regina admits that she was coming to the farmhouse to steal some magic so that... She could figure out a way to stop Rumple. And Zelina is crushed. Zelina's like, so you'd never cared about me at all. You didn't want to apologize for all the things you did wrong. You you just wanted to steal from me. And Regina's like, what do you expect? You keep stabbing us in the back. You stab us in the front, and then you get upset, and then you stab us in the back, and then you get upset. Like, what kind of relationship are you expecting to have with me? It's really weird how the show is acting like that's not their relationship. If you haven't been watching this show, and for whatever whatever reason, whatever unlucky reason, this was the only episode you ever tuned in for, you would have no idea how their relationship actually was because Zelina's acting like there's some wrong that has been done to her when in fact she showed up and tried to steal a baby and then she disguised herself as Maid Marian so that she could take Robin away from Regina and then got pregnant with his baby and then okay i actually don't fault her for his death even though regina kind of does it's not her fault that she was dating a bad guy who killed robin but you know why are you thinking that regina's gonna be friends with you yeah and why are you getting upset with her for possibly thinking about stealing from you when you keep screwing her over and selena's like what about redemption you've been redeemed and regina makes the very good point yeah And I've actually, you know, tried to make up for the shit I've done in the past. Okay, here's the thing, though. Regina says that she holds... Regina also says that she holds a grudge. Like, Regina acts like there's a fault in her that she can't forgive Zelina. But Zelina has done literally nothing to earn forgiveness. I don't get what Zelina's point... We we were on, like, a two-episode run where we liked Selena, but she's fallen right back into her old patterns. Well, now, okay, to be fair here, we're only annoyed with Selena because she's acting like the past doesn't exist. But so is the show. So what are consequences? What is one event following another? I mean, even just limited to this season... Zelina ditched Regina to start being buds with the evil queen. Like, (sighs) seriously. 
I know, I know. She was trying to start the Sisterhood of Evil Witches over here. And now she's surprised that her good sister is a little peeved at her. Yeah, she's like, I don't get why you're so mad. I just teamed up with your evil half. So in the three minutes they have allotted to them. Yes, in the charming loft, Jasmine and Aladdin are rubbing the genie's lamp so that they can make a wish to return to Agrabah. But they find that there is no genie, only the genie slave cuffs, because the genie inside that lamp has been freed. They disambiguate. This is definitely a different genie. Yes. This is apparently a genie Aladdin was just bros with at one point. No, no, no. They don't know what they don't know the genie in this lamp. So is this supposed to be Sydney's lamp? No, I, I think it's just a. I think it's just a lamp. It's just a la- a random genie lamp. Yeah. Aladdin talks about how he knew a genie once, and the genie was a good dude, and how some genies are dicks, but. It's really up to the genie. And then he puts on the slave cuffs. Yeah. Aladdin becomes the genie himself so that he can grant wishes so that he can magic them back to Agrabah. Which, good on him. I, I like this plot twist. Yeah. And he guarantee, he, he tells Jasmine, like, it's going to be okay. He's going to make up for the thing he did wrong. He's building himself a new magical destiny. Which is nice. Yeah, we make our own fate, right? Yeah, although when he did make his own fate, everyone was all pissed at him, so... I just meant that even if our fates have been severed, we can make a new fate. Uh, So we cut to the evil queen entering Gold Shop in what I think is probably her best outfit this episode. Okay, Uh, if we're going by standards of evil queen outfits, this is the best evil queen outfit. She has a tight high bun instead of the 80s hair. And no, no, sort it's, it's coming down her side. It's coming down the side of her. Oh, it is. But it's sort of a bouffant that falls into a side pony. Yeah, she has a high bouffant hair and it fall, It cascades down one shoulder. She has a tulle high collar and her outfit is black with red brocade. Now, here's the thing. It's is, more of an evening wear outfit. No, no, no. I, well, first of all, two things. One... She bamfed away from the farmhouse, and this scene immediately follows, so she changed outfits en route. But two, even though this is a great evil queen look, I just love the punk evil queen outfit. I kind of want to make it for myself, even though where would I even wear it? I couldn't wear it as cosplay because it's not really... Recognizable. Yeah, it's not so recognizable as the evil queen that i could wear it as cosplay i definitely couldn't wear it to work i guess i'd just have to wear it around town really want it that would be a good uh chance to go to that lovecraft bar yeah yeah it would be a good opportunity to learn to do scale mail Hmm. i can do chain mail but i've never tried scale mail before so regina comes in and she sees rumple looking all sadly at the speeding up pregnancy potion she's like jesus fucking christ Bell gave you some, you know, bullshit, oh, oh, no, the man and the beast speech, and you immediately turned tail and ran, which is an aggressively meta moment for the evil queen, but it's pretty much on the money. Yeah, she reminds him that it's not going to work with him and Belle because he's not going to be able to stop being a fuck-up. And now that she has a kid, she's going to be much less tolerant of her bolt. And once she has a child, she's going to be much less tolerant of his bullshit. Which is accurate. This is nice. The evil queen knows that because she is also a mother. Hmm. 
She also reminds him that he already fucked up with Balefire, and now he's just going to fuck up this one, too. And he's like, oh, you want to know what failure looks like? Look in a mirror. And she's like, oh, I get it, because I'm the evil queen. Oh, I didn't get that. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Oh. And he's like, I'm breaking up with you, and we're never getting back together. And she's like, oh, 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 fine by me. She turns around really slowly so she can give him a dirty look the whole time, and then just glides out of the shop. So back in the flashback, Belle is banging on the door to the library. Yeah, she's trapped up there now. Rumpel has locked her in. But there's a blue light behind the door. And she starts banging on the door until she's able to open it a bit. Well, she opens a mail slot? A a, peephole. A peephole that's way high up. I don't know. I don't know. Like, she has to reach pretty high up, and I'm fairly certain Rumpelstiltskin is shorter than her, so... Ugh. Who was this castle designed for? No idea. Maybe it was an ogre's castle. Hmm, maybe. Anyway, the blue fairy... Wait, they're blind. Oh, right. Anyway, the blue fairy flies through the hole. And tells... And tells Belle that she was trapped too, but... Now she's gonna help Belle get out so that they can go save the baby? Well, she tells Belle that she sensed there was another lost soul in the Dark One's castle, and so she came to help, and Belle's like, okay, do you know about the Black Fairy? Because he's doing something with the baby and the Black Fairy. And Blue is like, oh no, the Black Fairy? She's super evil! Yeah, she used to be a good fairy like me, but then something changed and she started stealing babies instead of rescuing them. Oh, yes, there is the great moment where Belle is like, I thought all fairies were good. Oh, Belle, I thought you were a reader. Mm, mm. But Blue mystically unlocks the door and telekinetically throws it open. Where was all this telekinesis when that dude with the axes was attacking Snow? I think there's some lost story there about why Blue didn't have magic during that time period. I think Blue just didn't feel like helping out Snow to the full extent of her abilities. Also quite possible. She tells Belle that she's got to go rescue the baby before Rumple sacrifices it to the Black Fairy. And then we are back in the present, where Hook, Emma, and Belle are at Granny's Diner. Belle is drinking a cup of tea because she needs to calm her nerves after all of the trauma she's endured. Seriously. And... And Emma and Hook immediately walk away from Belle as though they're unaware that horrible things happen to Belle when she's even left the tiniest amount of alone. Poor Belle. But Hook is pulling Emma away because he wants to talk about her visions, which he thought were gone and now apparently are something he's going to have to deal with. And Emma reveals that she saw the sword uh, from her death vision in Rumpel's shop. So apparently the sword that's going to kill her is in Rumpel's shop. Before they can before they can figure out what they're going to do with this new enhanced amount of vision, they hear a shattering behind them. Belle dropped another freaking cup and turn around to see that someone has given her the pregnant speeding up potion. Okay, so my MVP extra for the episode is the cook who is standing in the back of Granny's. He's watching this happen. He's wringing a towel out with his hands. I'm guessing the extra didn't know what to do. So he's just wringing the towel through his hands over and over again. Yeah, he's watching her pregnancy magically speed up, but he's not concerned. He should be concerned. He's just very casually watching this happen as he wrings out a towel over and over again. And I'm like, nobody gave this guy any direction. He's really, 
He's really trying to do casual stage business here. Yes, that is exactly what's happening. So, MVP extra. I concur. In the past, Rumple is in the woods with the baby, and he reads the translated incantation to summon the Black Fairy. Although, I would think that you would have to read it in the original fairy language and not in English. Yeah, seriously. I also think you could probably just bring a baby into the woods and go like, Yo, Black Fairy, and she'd show up. Yeah, you'd think. We see Belle in the woods watching this from from hiding. Okay. 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 The Black Fairy, y'all. The Black Fairy is here. Okay. So. First of all, I mean, uh, can we start with the most important thing first? Sure, yes. Someone is going to be giving Regina a run for her money for best outfits. So the Black Fairy shows up in an outfit which is bizarrely childish. It's like if you had a very talented goth nine-year-old design a fairy outfit. Yes, yes, exactly. It's a feather, it's a black feathered tutu? Yes, it's a black feathered tutu. Okay, the collar, the high collar is black feathers, and then the skirt is filled out with tulle, and then has the the jagged bottom of your classic Tinkerbell skirt, but the entire thing is made out of tooled black leather. I love it. I just, there's so much going on in this outfit. Love it so much. So, the Black Fairy shows up and she's like, ooh, free baby! And Rumpelstiltskin's all, hi, hi, we have business. And she's like, hmm free baby yeah rumpelstiltskin hits her with some squid ink though so that she is frozen in place you know it's weird for all the things this show forgets it's funny how once it decided that squid ink was a thing they just were gonna hammer that every chance they got like i might be misremembering it it's been roughly ten thousand years since we talked about it but i thought the thing with squid ink was that you had to sign your name with it for it to mystically paralyze you in its first appearance i yeah i think that was the deal originally now you just throw it on someone just cut out the middleman i guess so she says that if if he knows anything about her it's that squid ink won't hold her for long they have a arch villain off where rumple is walking around her saying arch villainous things and she's standing boldly defiant saying arch villainous things bell better watch out because they're both seeing how much scenery they can eat in the shortest amount of time yeah that bush she's hiding behind is not going to be there long now i think rumple loses the villain off by exposing some vulnerability oh yeah because he's like so before you started stealing babies you abandoned a baby And she's like, I abandoned a baby? How do you know I abandoned a baby? And he's like, because that baby was me. This is the acting we're dealing with here. I'm worried you're going to blow out all of the headphones of our listeners. I'm sorry, but you need to know. So, yeah. Mother. Mother. Oh, yeah. So, I'm afraid we've... This is sort of the opposite of the reveal of Peter Pan being his dad. Yeah, this is the inverse of Peter Pan because they dragged out the reveal that Peter Pan was his dad for, like, a full season. 
Whereas the very first moment the Black Fairy's on screen, Rumpelstiltskin's like, this is my mother. I have mother issues. You thought all my problems came from my daddy issues? Wrong. I'm going into this both barrels blazing. Uh, the Black Fairy tells Rumpel that she abandoned him because she chose power over family, something he knows a little something about. And while they're villaining off, Belle, like, slips in and grabs the baby. But then, instead of running, she just stands there holding the baby to, like, see how this plays out. I kind of skipped over it when the Black Fairy showed up, but when she goes from tiny fairy form to full-sized form, we get one of the worst transitions. It just kind of... It's one of the bigger special effects fails where the effect just kind of leaps across the screen and it legit looks like there was a mistake in editing. Mm, Yeah, it's not a good transition. So Belle, like I said, does not take off. Instead, she just stands there and is like, oh, Rumpel, I understand now why you're so in pain. And he's like, you understand nothing. And teleports off. Leaving Belle and the baby in the middle of the woods. So she could probably just leave now. Yeah, and yet... Back in the present, Rumpel is outside the convent where Belle has been taken. And he does this, like, arch line to us because there's no one there that... Whenever there's injustice in the world, there's a fairy. Which makes me really angry. Like... Don't blame women for all your problems. Also, the injustice that you're talking about is that you're not allowed to kidnap your child. So, he tries to go into the convent, but it's protected by fairy magic, which, really, you guys didn't bring this up any of the other times it would have been useful to have a shield that could stop the Dark One. Right? So, Belle's giving birth with the help of Emma and one of the fairy nuns. And they must have given Belle the good drugs because she is back in the dreamscape. Yep, they gave her the twilight whatever. Okay, so I had a procedure, not birth, but a procedure under those drugs that they used to give you when you were giving birth. And let me tell you, those things are the shit. Like, you're aware of what's happening, you just don't care. And it's amazing. Ugh. <laughs> I just always think about the scene from King of the Hill where, uh, you know, the nurse is like, okay, honey, you ready to Peggy Hill? And she's like, yep. And she blinks and then there's a baby in her hand and she's like, neat. Yeah, it's funny. When they gave me the drugs, I asked them because I had researched it on the internet if I was going to just like black out and then come to when the procedure was over. And they told me that the drugs do induce amnesia in people And there are some blank spots in my memory, but for the most part, I was pretty aware of what was happening. Like I said, I just didn't care. So Belle's in this, so Belle's in the dreamscape, which has taken the form of a fairly nice park. A little creepy, but still fairly nice. Yeah, she's sitting on the swings with grown-up Gideon, and she's telling him, hey, I am giving birth, and your father is, like, right outside, ready to kidnap you and cut your fate, so if you have a plan... Now is the time to share it. And he's like, you know what? He's like, you know what you must do. And she's like, what? And he's like, I'm just your memory. I can't give you any new information. (laughs) Which is not actually true in this case. Yeah, it's not actually true. He's a fetus who 
is in dream contact with his future self. Sure. Now, to be fair, he's right. Belle does know what she has to do. She just doesn't want to because it involves giving him up. Yeah. So she hugs him and she tells him that she loves him and he tells her that he loves her. Well, she she tells him how much she loves him and he pulls a Han Solo. I know. That's not true. He tells her he loves her. Yeah. And then he reminds her not to forget the book. To which she replies, what book? And then wakes up. So, oops. Maybe you should have spent less time telling her how much you love her and more time giving her useful information. I mean, he's a fetus. I I mean, I guess he's not really a fetus at this point. No, no, he's, he's fully, he's fully birthed now. So, I guess they're both distracted with other things. I guess. We see Belle after the aftermath. What is Emma wearing? Oh my god, Emma's outfit this episode, I haven't brought it up, but it's terrible. It's like black, but it's got like flowers spilling down it from her shoulders, and I just, I don't get what's going on with it. Yeah, it's like a flowy black top, but there's like a sheer neck and sleeve, and the sheer neck and sleeve are decorated with lines of flowers that fall over onto the top. What a bizarre look. It's not great. Not great. So, uh, Blue is like, hey, a baby. That's neat. They said you wanted to see me. Why? You you know I don't really do stuff, so what's going on here? Well, Belle tells her that she's figured out how to save this child and she needs Blue's help. Oh, first she wants Blue to be the baby's fairy godmother. And then she needs her help. She needs her to steal the baby away. She's giving her baby to fairies, which I feel like historically doesn't work great, but... And doesn't work great in this show, spoiler alert! Yeah. This is weird to me, because... In this whole episode, first of all, Blue was talking about how the Black Fairy turned evil and started stealing babies instead of helping them. And now there's this scene where Blue's gonna steal away Gideon at his mother's behest, but nonetheless... And the name of this episode is Changeling, and a changeling is when the fairies come and steal your child away. So Belle's whole I'm confused about what a fairy thing is, is weird. Because the show seems to know that fairies are known for kidnapping children, and Belle is presumably very well read, so I don't even know. I don't get why she thinks that the blue fairy will will be able to... A, take Gideon to a place where he'd be safe, and B, protect him at all? I mean... Well, okay, so that is what fairies do. Like, fairies do steal away children, so that part I don't have a problem with. I'm just going off what Blue's done in the show to this point. It's... I I just, I don't get it. Hmm. So, she has an additional favor... Which is that she needs Blue to read this book to him. The book being her handsome hero. Yeah, Hook has a copy of it with him that he presumably brought when Belle went into labor. And the copy that he hands to Belle to to give to the Blue Fairy to read to Gideon is in library binding. Which is such a nice touch. It is. So, Blue needs to keep the baby safe until the threat's over. And Blue's like... So I'm just going to be raising this kid then, because this is once upon a time and the threats just keep on coming. I love that it's like, Blue, I need you to do me a favor. Raise my child. But 
theoretically, this is a limited threat. I mean, in in theory, in theory, what Bell is saying here is that perhaps the threat will be over shortly. Perhaps. But everyone knows that, no, that's not how it's going to work. No. Speaking of the threat, Rumpel has managed to break through the protection barrier, and he is now inside the convent, and he sees that the baby is gone. He runs to the door and looks out the door and sees just the glimmer of the blue fairy flying away and immediately understands that what has happened is Belle has sent her baby away. Mm-hmm. Like, Blue's still visible. I mean, she gives a little shine, which I guess is her teleporting into the North Star or whatever the blue fairy does. Yeah, yeah. And Rumple turns to Belle and he, and he says, You abandoned our son? And Belle's like, No. Yeah. I gave him his best chance. Yeah, no, she didn't abandon her son. She hid him from his abusive father who has made it clear that he will stop at nothing to sever his destiny. Also, okay, I just have to bring this up, but when these episodes were first airing, there was a big contingent of the fandom that was angry at Belle for hiding Rumpel's child from him. I have no patience for that. Rumpel's behavior these last two episodes has been unforgivable. And you know, it's what we used to talk about during season one. The difference between fantasy violence and real world violence. Like, Rumpelstiltskin stealing a baby so that he can summon the Black Fairy is kind of fantasy monster evil work. Mm Mm-hmm. But his behavior towards Belle has just been the way that abusive men treat their wives, but with, like, magic flavoring on top. Yeah. His relationship with Belle feeds into too many real-world narratives for it to be fun fantasy evil. Right, exactly. Oof. So he goes over to Belle and he demands that she give him his son's name. And Belle's like, no, I know the power that names have. You're not getting anything from me. Belle's like, how dumb do you think I am? And she she tells him, no matter what you do to me, I will never tell you his name. And Rumble's like, I'll never hurt you, but I will find our son. And she's like, ugh, the worst. Yeah. You're the worst. Yeah. So, back in the flashback, Belle is returning the baby to his parents, who she found somehow. Eh. Locator spell. <laughs> Blue fairy. Uh, she's being watched by Rumple, who's having emotions behind a barn. Yeah. In the present, Rumple is having emotions in his shop. And the evil queen shows up to twist the knife around those emotions. She says, oh, look, you lost another son. Wah, wah. And he's like, shut up. She's like, why? What are you going to do? Oh, God, I love the evil queen so much. She's like, I bet Belle really hates you now. And thus it is revealed, by the way, that Rumple is not the one who sped Belle's pregnancy along when she was in the diner. In fact, when he left her, he he really had given up. He really was not going to speed along the pregnancy. But the evil queen, seeing a chance, slipped the potion to Belle 
so that she would think that Rumpel had done it. And Rumpel's like, I, I don't get this. Why would you do that? Why? And she's like, I really don't need to have consistent motivations. I'm the evil queen. Evil is in my name. I legitimately just did this to fuck with you. Yeah, basically. Rumpel's like, Belle already hated me a lot. You didn't need to give... I mean, that was... I do want to say that during this whole scene, the evil queen is behind the counter in Rumpel's shop, and she is in front of an entire shelf of teacups. I was about to say, who is Belle going to have to have a relationship with when she dropped the tea when she was going into labor? Because she smashed a cup then, too. So. Oh, yeah. Now she's got to save someone else. Probably Gideon. Uh, yeah. Uh, so rumple's like i'll just tell Belle what you did and the evil queen's like that really does you do not get why she's mad at you yeah the evil queen says that Belle won't believe that he's not the one who actually did that spell but it's not that spell rumple it's your entire pattern of behavior even if she believes that you didn't do that one thing She's not going to instantly be like, oh, okay, then all is forgiven. She's still wearing the cuff that you put on her to trap her. And Rumpel's like, you know I'm not a good person to get on the bad side of. You know, I'm evil. I'm the biggest evil in the world. I have all of the Dark One powers. And the evil queen turns around and she's like, okay, but there is a woman in this town who murdered your son. And you haven't done squat to her. So forgive me for not quaking in my stylish yet affordable boots. And he's like, you know that I play the long game. And she's like, she does that, you know, clever does, hand gesture. She, where... does, she does the jerk off motion. And then she says, yeah, good luck finding this son. Hope it turns out better this time. And then she double fisted flips him off while walking out of the room. And Rumpel has one of his patented freakouts where he wrecks up his own shop. You pointed out when we were watching this episode that he's, this is like the fourth time he's done this. It loses its efficacy every time. Yeah, if you keep doing it, then it's just something you're doing after a while. Like, it's not scary. It's not showing a loss of control. It's just, this is what Rumpel does once a season. Yeah. So in Granny's Diner, Emma is drinking some hot chocolate with cinnamon. When Hook comes in to give her the news that they figured out how to reverse the spell on the fairy, don't worry about it, she's going to be fine. And Belle is obviously not fine, but what are you going to do? Yeah. And Emma's like, I figured out why I'm the savior, why I don't run, why I fight. It's because doing the right thing is right, and I want to protect the people I love. And Hook's like, I didn't realize this was a subplot this episode. Right? But basically, Emma is concerned with figuring out what this enhanced vision that she now has means. So she's not going to just mope around about how she's going to die. She's actually going to try to not die. I thought they were already being proactive about this. You know what? Whatever. They go to Rumpel's shop and they find the sword that is going to kill her. And Emma's like, great, now we have the sword. Now we can figure out who the hooded figure is and stop them. Or, she you know... Now we have the sword, so it can't stab me. I do like that she points out that Rumple clearly had another one of his signature temper tantrums. Yes. They're, like, not even worried anymore. It's just, oh, this again. But, yes, now they have the sword that will eventually kill her. Yep. Neat. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Is it just me, or did not a lot happen in this episode? 
I mean, yeah, Belle gave birth to the baby and then the blue fairy flew off with him, but I mean... Well, we were introduced to the black fairy. A lot of information was dropped on us this episode. It might not have felt like it because we already knew that information, but a lot was... Revealed. Yes. And we, we now have the true big bad of the show, apparently. The black fairy. The black fairy, who I do love, although over time we will grow to... It's funny, you say over time, there's like 11 episodes left. She wears out her welcome fast. Yeah, it's because she's a great villain for four episodes, five episodes. Yeah. Because, I don't know if you got this, but she is cartoonishly evil. She is... No, I I can't think of a better word. She is cartoon evil. She is... She is she is an evil villain from an 80s children's cartoon. Yeah, I was about to say, she's Meg Ryan and Captain Planet. I, I forget what her character's name was. Dr. Blight. I was thinking old school Shadow Weaver, but yeah. Oh god, yeah, old school Shadow Weaver. She's a horrifying witch with amazing breasts. Speaking of breasts, let's talk about fashion. Okay. I mean, we already have. So... The one thing that stops me from being like, okay, the Black Fairy's outfit was very clearly designed by an incredibly goth eight-year-old is the insane amount of cleavage it has. Well, I mean, if it was an eight-year-old who was raised on the aforementioned She-Ra, then they would think that that's how evil people dress. Because, Jesus Christ. Now, there's an outfit I want to cosplay, by the way. No one will know what you're dressed as, though. I mean, if you dress as Rumple, then I could do Black Fairy and people would understand when we were together. How did that work when we did Jughead's Time Police? Okay, okay. The person who wrote it did not know that I was January McAndrews. Literally, the person who wrote the comic where January McAndrews appears did not recognize you in what was a perfect January McAndrews costume. You know what? I'm okay with it. I'm going to do it again. I Yeah, because we need to take all those pictures of you arresting time travelers. I really, really want to do that. Oh my god. Hey, tweet at us if you know who January McAndrews is. But anyway, the Evil Queen was really on point with all of her costumes this episode. For a change. All three of them. And I did like Regina's evil military coat oh i did not it was not the most flattering thing she's worn i mean it was fine see the thing is i like it i just don't like it particularly as a regina look i was just going to say if emma had been wearing it i'd be like oh this is interesting let's talk about what they're trying to do with her but on regina it just it didn't it didn't do it for me yeah it didn't pop i want to talk more about the black fairies outfit but i also want to save it because we're going to get a lot of her okay we'll talk about the black fairies outfit some more next week but very much goth ballerina yes goth ballerina if i was only casting the white swan the part would be yours it's a very black swan outfit so for our recommendations that are tangentially related to this episode um i recommend playing old school world of darkness changeling that is what I recommend, oh. which is the, for people who roleplay, this is, you know what I'm talking about, World of Darkness, Changeling is the fairy-based game. Um, for those of you who don't, you're probably familiar with Vampire the Masquerade, and White Wolf, the company that puts out Vampire the Masquerade, also does a whole series of books around other monsters or magical characters, so there's 
you know, mage, the ascension, and also changeling, the dreaming, which is the fairy-based one. These are actually not in print anymore. This particular world of darkness has been crisis on infinite earth out of existence. But you can still find the books. But you can still find the books. So that's my recommendation. Play Changeling the Dreaming. I have what one could phrase a dubious recommendation. Oh, those are my favorite. My dubious recommendation is the notably terrible, but one of the two of us enjoyed it movie, Strange Magic. I did like Strange Magic! I can't explain it, but it was so much fun. What if A Midsummer Night's Dream was a jukebox musical and terrible? Yeah, that's accurate. It was, in the words of George Lucas who made it, George Lucas's movie for girls. Oh, that's so offensive. It is offensive because girls like Star Wars and Strange Magic was not good. But... There were some pretty good covers, and honestly, if you're looking for a solid bad movie, you could do worse than Strange Magic. Absolutely. The animation is both really good and also creepy and off. It has the... did you ever see Epic? Um, I did see Epic. I... I'm not gonna say I enjoyed Epic, but the cosplayer in me really wanted to make those outfits. It's very Uncanny Valley 3D animation. We're trying we're, we're trying for a, a level of realism and cartooniness that don't really go together well. Okay, so I don't know what it is in my brain that's a little off, but I really enjoy that kind of Uncanny Valley animation. Uh, are, are we going to have to watch uh, the Polar Express movie? No, I, never. See, I know because that's not actually in that valley. That's the mo-capped... Uh, yeah, it's creepy. I don't like it. Oof. Oof. So that's it for this week. Yeah, that'll about do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you'd like to be one of those supporters, you could head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines, and click on our Patreon link. I'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybook. Anything just will vary. I can never go to sleep. Dressing.